Well, how was the Post Malone concert? Unbelievable. Incredible. Better than the first one, to be honest. Uh, he is using a band with him on tour for the first time ever, and it is a completely different style and dynamic than a regular show like last year's, and it was unbelievable. It was, And then he played unheard, unreleased songs from the upcoming album. It was... It was pretty fantastic. Did you cry? I held him in, believe it or not, this time. But it was close. Especially when Circles came on. It was close. I don't understand you, Dom. I don't understand you sometimes. Yeah. I'm the most emotional man you'll probably ever meet. That is so false, too. That is so false. Really? Yeah, Dom, when, Dom, I never see you show emotions. Like, ever. Oh, wow. I feel like you're pretty... Well, okay, I, I guess... We just I mean, need to be together more, Noah. Like no, you're... No, yeah, 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 I mean, you're right. Like, I, I, you can definitely... You definitely get, like, sentimental about stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. much nostalgic. Like, those are yeah. feelings that you feel a lot of. But, like, dude, I mean, I, li I, I roomed with you for two years. Like, you would tell me, like, six months after that something pretty big had happened to you, and I'd be... I had no idea. Like yeah. your day to day, you do not show much emotion. Like you're a hard guy to read. It's the long term. <laughs> but but like I, I get what you're saying. Like you definitely are the type. Like if if someone were gonna say like who's gonna cry at a concert, nowhere Dom. Like it would be you. But it's just yeah. like it, it takes a while to to find that side of you. <laughs> On the surface, it may be a harder question to answer <laughs> until you dig in. <laughs> Yeah, like I think some people would look at me, this fucking baby face, like piece of shit. They'd be like, oh, this dude probably weeps. He probably weeps. And it's like, think again, bitch. <laughs> oh, man. It was great. That's good. That's good. Did he smell? Did you get close enough to smell? I didn't, him? man. I didn't. And he gave someone his converses. That night. See, too. I've I've seen videos of him doing that with the shoes or whatever, and I was just like, man, if those the rumors are true, those oof. probably stink. Yeah, the shoes. But it but it sounds like he's wearing like a new pair every concert. So like, true. He, he probably, I mean, they probably be okay. It, just if, throw if some dunk, uh, throw dunk some uh, tea bags in them and yeah, <laughs> dry right off balls, and all that stuff. <laughs> if if I would have been in the pit, probably would have been a disaster. But, uh, I'm just we'll, imagining we'll save like, that for the future. Him like pointing out or something, like his arm outreached, and yeah. you just like get all up underneath his arm, be like, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's present verbal sparring, and also. Holly Holm versus Meyer Blaine Silva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing things a little different. I know on Monday I said that you could expect to see us back on Wednesday. The plan was to originally release a verbal sparring on Wednesday, and then we would do our normal MMA weekend preview uh, where you're seeing it now. Uh, however, the card this weekend is there's, there's just not a lot to go over. You know, even the main event itself. I don't know like how much of a preview we really could mm -hmm. offer. And we would be very dependent on fight announcements and news. And we did get a big one, Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou. But uh, we figured if there were any news bits 
they could be added in to the questions for verbal sparring because I'm sure a big portion of the listenership will want to hear our thoughts on it. So we will have that and much, much more. Um, we will start with our preview, but before we get into it, before we get into anything, Dominic, I want to ask you how you're doing. I know, you know, now we kind of have the the intros just us talking. So I'm sure you everybody heard your thoughts on the Post Malone concert. But uh, now that 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 high, you've come back down to earth. Mm. How are you feeling? Yeah, I've come back down to earth all for him to release a single tonight at midnight. So it's going to be it's going to be a great time for Dom. But uh, man, I'm doing good. It's been a great week. I will come to report some news that uh, prior to hopping on the studio today, I did play Big Dave in two games of pool basketball and I was uh, winless. He beat me 2 0 straight up. Didn't even need the third game. I'll come on here. I'll be humble, you know, humble in Mm -hmm. victory, humble in defeat. I'll take it like a man and I'll come back strong this weekend. So I just wanted to update, you know, update the listeners for those that are interested in the pool basketball rivalry, but I'm doing good, man. I feel like it's been forever since I've talked to you. I love you. I'm glad I'm in here with you. How are you doing as we get into this weekend? The future is apparently not now, old man, because big Dave had to show you who's boss once again. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm doing good, Dom. It's good to see you good to be here with our listeners our viewers today Uh, i'm excited to get into verbal sparring it's been a while of course we're trying to pump out one of these and one of our cage side rewinds and alternating months so get one of these every other month uh so now it's time to do that Mm. i'm ready for it dominic and i i mean i'm excited to get into question one but before we do we got to talk about ufc South Carolina 44. The main event. We'll see Holly Holm take on Myra Bueno Silva. A main event that not many of us could have predicted, although Holly Holm is the most likely main event uh, you will ever see. Yep. She does come in ranked number three, minus 175 on the odds right now. These odds come from DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm-hmm. Correct. So then uh, she's going up against the surging. New member to the top 10, Myra Bueno Silva, plus 150. Uh, this is going to be her biggest test to date, obviously. Uh, many have filled the shoes of Myra Bueno Silva in this kind of contest, Dom, where uh, the UFC puts them up against the former champion, the veteran, uh, the very, very tough test in Holly Holm. And time after time, Holly Holm keeps sending them back down the rankings and uh mm-hmm. you know the the odds however do not act like this is going to be some sort of wash you know i think a lot of people may be surprised yeah. when they see these odds and see holly homer minus 175 however she is climbing um i believe a couple of days ago she was a minus 150 so dominic i just kind of want to get your thoughts on this main event obviously it's not the type of fight that we would probably advocate to be a main event but it is a huge opportunity for Myra Bueno Silva. And now that Amanda Nunes has retired mm. for both ladies and really for Holly Holm, a chance to reignite your title aspirations, right? Yeah, it absolutely does. Like there is still some stuff at stake here. Yes, it's a wacky, weird main event. It's Holly Holm's eighth UFC main event. If you guys saw the trivia clip, which is a shit ton. But Myra Bueno Silva, I'm, I'm struggling here, Noah, with this. This whole event. So let me just let me air it all out here, right? We talked about emotions coming into this episode. Mm. 
I'm I'm a fan of Meyer Bueno Silva. I love this win streak she's on. I love the personality. I love having her as a fresh face for women's bantamweight, something that it's needed for a very long, long time, it feels like. But now she's getting shot up huge in terms of we're talking not only rankings from 10 to 3, um, but in terms of just competition in general. I, I mean, we're talking uh, Wu Yanan, Stephanie Egger, and Lena Landsberg, and that got her into number 10, you know, which is already kind of crazy to think about. And now she's launching into Holly Holm again, her eighth main event, a former champion, a 17-time title uh, challenger. I mean, this is a step up if I've ever seen one here. And yet this line is throwing me for a loop because mm. as much as I want to root for Meyer Buena Silva and see this freshness into the elite of the elite and to the top five, the title contention, seeing Holly Holm at under minus 200, I mean, no, I couldn't contain myself but to pounce on this number. And I feel like a lot of people will as well. And so talk me through here. What does your mind tell you when you see these odds? Because to me, yes, Myra Bueno Silva is good, but this is Holly Holm here. Someone who, yes, is 41, but has shown to beat competition like Myra Bueno Silva. And to a higher extent, I was shocked that I saw the lines like this. I really was. So you're probably, or maybe not, but I... I considering some of my previous uh, discussions on this topic when the odds are closer than I think they should be, I'm not going to say that this is like a rat line or something. I'm sniffing it out. I don't believe it is Dominic. I believe uh, um, the, the sports books, what I think they like about Myra Bueno Silva is one. Uh, she is fantastic off her back. Her jujitsu mm -hmm. is incredible. Uh, she's very aggressive, constantly threatening with submissions off her back uh, we have seen Holly Holm in her last couple fights, especially in her last one with Yana Santos, take a more wrestling-heavy approach. And even in doing so, Dominic, Holly was not looking for the finish when doing it. I felt like she mm -hmm. could have, if she yeah. really pushed for it against Santos, could have gotten a submission or even a ground-and-pound finish. Instead, she used those takedowns for control time, really just to try to neutralize Santos and dominated her, truthfully. But if you try to implement that kind of game plan on Bueno Silva, where you are using your takedowns more for control, um, I think that that is a dangerous game to play with her because she's so dangerous off her back. Um, you look at in some of Myra Bueno Silva's previous bouts, she uh, lost to Manon Fior back at a, at a flyweight bout a few years mm -hmm. ago. And one of the things Manon Fior did very well was her ground and pound. Like whenever... Uh, she got that fight down. She did not let up with the ground and pound, did not give Bueno Silva a chance to really adjust and find her footing while down there. And she had a lot of success in doing so. Now, most of that fight was standing, but you get my point. Mm. Um, I highly favor Holly Holm in this matchup right now. She yeah. is, what, 42 years old now? 41, yeah. 41 years old. So we did just see her a couple months ago, couple months ago and she looked great. Um, it was against Yana Santos, who I thought by the end, like I kind of came on here and I kind of felt like that fight said more about Santos than it did about Holly at this sure. point. So there is an intrigue with Myra Bueno Silva. Um, she's she's got some decent stand-up. She doesn't have the most volume. Um, I do wonder, even if you go before this last fight for Holly Holm, like Ketlin Vieira and the um in, in that Ketlin Vieira fight, I guess, was really the one. Uh, she was more clinch heavy, like trying to mm -hmm. use her strength to 
uh, forced Ketlebeer up against the fence. It ended up not working out for her on the judges' scorecards. I thought she won that fight, but, you know, whatever. Um, you you just see, like, what before what got her to the dance, what got her to be a UFC champion was she is a fantastic boxer, obviously yep. comes from being a world champion in women's boxing and has great kicks and all this stuff, a great striker all around and good enough everywhere else to not mm -hmm. have that huge hole in her game. But she does seem to be kind of slowing down a little bit. You know, when she utilizes Dominic, when she was at her best, it was when she was utilizing really quick footwork and yeah. then she would have those blitzes with those yep. combinations. She would blitz into the pocket, and then she would get out. And I think as she's starting to slow down a little bit, she's finding it harder and harder to have success doing that. So there is a window here where I could see Myra Bueno Silva uh, potentially edging this fight out. I do not favor it. I took Holly home money line on the bet slip this week. I put two units on it at minus mm -hmm. 150. And – yeah, I just I, I definitely think that Holly Holm, the experience, the who she appears to still be, I think is just a better fighter than what Myra Bueno Silva has proven up to this point in the UFC. She's a good prospect, but I don't nothing I've seen yet tells me that she is championship caliber. And if she is going to be championship caliber, she will have to be Holly Holm. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. And you know, I'm sure you've seen Holly say in this week with a win she's ready she thinks she wins mm -hmm. here and she gets that title fight i know you think it's happening at ufc 300 her and the return of ronda rousey but um you know and not that you're being unserious but in all seriousness do you think that is realistic for her regardless of who it is holly does get in there next and on the flip side and i know this could be a monday thing is there potential title stakes here for Meyer Buena silva if she comes in and beats holly home well, for Holly Holm, I think that that would make a lot of sense. I think the UFC definitely would not bat an eye at putting her in another title fight. You know, that was the original uh, another Holly Holm main event was uh, another Holly Holm title fight, right? Yeah. So I don't think the UFC would even think twice about it. Hmm. But the problem is, is timing's going to play a part here because if, let's say, that I mean, I know they're talking about Ronda maybe now is going to come back at 145 pounds. At least that's what Chelsea Chandler said during fight week. But if that doesn't happen, whatever, you know, I know it was kind of out there anyways. Yeah. You know, right now Raquel Pennington and Juliana Pena are really advocating for that vacant Bantamweight title fight. But is that really a fight that you're going to try to, you know, shoot into the next um, – the next era of this division with yeah. like, is that really the fight that you want to like push that next era into, but is really putting Holly Holm in there. What you want to do. Right. Um, I, I think with a win, she would likely be in that mix. Like, I don't know what the UFC would want to do, even though Juliana Pena coming off the loss feels like she should be trying to get another win. I feel like she's the one most likely to be put in a title fight. Yeah, because, one half of it. Uh, she does a pretty good job of trying to build her fights, and she talks some yeah. shit, and, you know, good honor for for doing that. Uh, for Myra Bruno Silva, I don't know, Dom. I feel like she'd have to do something pretty spectacular yeah. here. Yeah. Um, a quick submission, a quick finish, like really dominate this fight. Something that people would be un not expecting to see against Holly Holm. And mm -hmm. if she does that, 
considering she's kind of this younger, you know, fresh face, fresh, fresh face, you know, has somewhat of an exciting style. I could see it. I don't think it's very likely. And I'm not just yeah. saying that because I favor Holly Holm. I'm just saying if Myra Bueno Silva was to win this fight, I don't think that's necessarily how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if Myra were to win, you, you, almost for certain we'll get the Rocky and uh, Juliana Pena fight, but well, you never know. Maybe she does do something spectacular, make it four straight wins, but I'm, I'm still just stunned by these odds. So I am excited for the fight to see if my, my favorite 135-er can do something special. You know, it's weird. You would think with uh, Amanda leaving, uh, retiring, and now you have a vacant title, and Holly Holm feels like she's right back in that, you know, right there on the precipice of fighting for another title. You would think that that would, you know, boost the intrigue for this fight or the excitement, at least for me. Yeah. Um, and it really just hasn't. Like, I just, I'm not feeling yeah. it for this fight. And it's not because, and I know I make jokes about Holly Holm main events, but she's obviously a great fighter as, as a, a champion. Like, she's great. Um, I just, I'm not seeing this being like a great fight. And maybe I, I hope I'm yeah. proven wrong. I will watch it. I'll yeah. watch the whole card, but out of the fights on this card, Dominic, it might be like the fight I'm like third most excited for. Like I think uh, Sadikov, Terrence McKinney is a banger. It's and yeah. then even right. Otman Azatar. I think uh, he. I forget what the the guy he's fighting is. He was like 21 years old. Yeah, but, Francisco uh, Prada. Yeah, thank you. But I think that fight's gonna be great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, dare I say, even like Albert Durayev and Jun Young Park, I feel like I might be just as interested in. It's uh, we advocate for the kind of main events where someone who's like needs that next step, you know, that bubble top ten mm-hmm. fighter, which sort of fits Myra Bueno Silva. We sort of advocate for them to get main events, but Dominic yeah. it feels like she hasn't even taken on like much competition that, in the top yeah. 15 like the yeah the lena landsberg win was impressive that she finished there but you know it feels like she just skipped like two or three steps before going mm-hmm. straight into her first main event against a former champion i don't know just, <laughs> that's so perfect and i'm not sure if it's because the ufc really want that fresh face and really want to build her or if it's because they want to try to get holly home a Back. more manageable win to push her into that yeah. UFC 300 main event, which will probably now be for the women's featherweight title against Ronda Rousey. But yes, it's still a division. There's a women's featherweight <laughs> fight on this card. Just saying. Yeah, very true. Anything else, Dominic, on this fight? <sighs> it's time to transition over to verbal sparring. Yeah, maybe. verbal sparring. Question one. It is probably the biggest news story of the week. The biggest story going Dominic it's probably what we would have opened our episode with if we had uh, done yeah. a weekend preview today uh they announced Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury Dominic now some of the details it seems like most of the details are out by this point but there is potential that some of this could be like there could be slight changes or maybe there's some assumptions we're about to make that end up not being true so just for anybody listening in the future, just know that we, you know, we're recording this on what is it, July thirteenth. <laughs> so that that is the details of this fight as we know them today. Um, basically, this is uh, going to be a full-on boxing rules fight, ten rounds, um, normal size gloves, normal ring, and apparently knockdowns, knockouts. Yeah, they're allowed all, to do all, all allowed. That. So. 
not a full-on exhibition like Eddie Hearn was sort of saying uh, a couple weeks ago. But, Dominic, the, the one big caveat here is what kind of makes this sort of an exhibition is that Tyson Fury's WBC heavyweight title does not appear as of now to be on the line uh. in this fight. And it actually appears this won't be considered a professional bout. So even Tyson Fury's O on his record is not at stake either. And okay. neither is Francis Ngannou's, I guess, because he's O and O. O and O. <laughs> Um, but besides that, I mean, full on like knockouts allowed, they're not doing like four ounce MMA gloves or anything. It's going to be really just a regular boxing bout, non-title bout. Mm. Um, this will be happening in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it is unclear as of now who will be broadcasting it, but a lot of signs seem to point to ESPN plus, which would be very Mm. interesting. Okay. Um, but Dominic, I'm just going to get your thoughts on this matchup, and uh, we'll kind of get – I have a second part, but we'll start with uh, the thoughts, and eventually I'll have you answer, like, what are Ngannou's chances. But mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it it happened. Um, you know, it felt like it was kind of going to for the most part. I know we had a couple weeks ago Dana throwing his hat in with Tyson Fury and John Jones. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's exciting. I think it's fun. I think it's different. We don't really get to see it all that often. Francis took a chance on himself, and uh, that fumbled the bag narrative is like no more. I don't know what the payday is going to be for him, but uh, this is life-changing stuff for him. A chance for him to potentially even knock out a world heavyweight champion boxer in Tyson Fury is unbelievable. The hype video that he posted was pretty sick. I saw it on that Twitter. Noah sick. sent it to me on TikTok. Ooh, it was pretty was dope. Um, I, I think it's going to be a fun buildup. I think it's going to have a lot of eyes on it, obviously, I'm not much of the boxing person compared to Noah, but Tyson Fury is a, a global star in the combat sports space. And Francis, obviously not to that level, but a huge star in the MMA space. So we're going to get this crossover here. Maybe it could set up some cool opportunities in the future. Again, this is kind of the first thing for Francis in terms of that new PFL deal, right? That historical contract that he signed. This is the first step toward it. Not that they're co-promoting it or anything, but it's the opportunity that he gets to do this through that contract with them. I uh, have no problem with it. It's two weeks before a huge card for the UFC when John Jones is fighting Stipe, which is kind of ironic as well. I, I love everything about it. I think it's going to be really fun. Also, one week after UFC 294, where yeah, it's uh, right in the middle, Abu Dhabi. So, um, so I, I mean, my thoughts sort of vary on this one, right, Dominic? Because I come at it from a few angles. The MMA fan the boxing fan. Yeah. Um, I look at it from the fighter's perspective and yeah. then fandom perspective, right? There's like so many uh-huh. different angles uh-huh. and I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. So let's start with Francis Ngannou. He's the easy one. He won. He's already won. Yeah. He hasn't yeah. even stepped in the ring, <laughs> hasn't stepped in a cage in over a year and he won. He won. Uh-huh. I'm not saying people have to be happy that this is the direction he's going. Um, if you would like to criticize him for that, you know, more power to you. But um, unfortunately, Dominic, legacy does not pay the bills around here. Mm. Uh, these guys are prize fighters. As much as we talk about things like legacy and we we cling to that, yeah, we can't expect these guys to, you know, turn down. I think uh, I saw uh, Morning Combat – Brian Campbell's pretty good with fight purses, and he's sort of ballparked that Ngannou might make upwards of like forty to fifty million for this fight. 
Uh, Dominic, that would probably be more than he made in the UFC and all of his fights combined. So yeah. Yeah. you can't like you can't hold it too sort of foregoing building a UFC heavyweight legacy when look at what he's gotten from testing his value on the market. Yeah. You know, he's got this PFL deal. We'll see long term how fruitful that is. But even if it's not, even if it's a complete failure and the PFL crashes and burns, Dom, he's getting to fight here with, with Fury. Assuming that nothing happens between now and October 28th, if he goes in there and fights, no matter if he gets knocked out in the first round, the payday, that's what he wanted. This is what he wanted, the opportunity to do this, to test his value, and he did it. So that's an easy one. Yeah. Almost every other perspective I look at this fight in, I'm disappointed. Mm. I'm disappointed. Like, am I going to watch it? Of course. Am I interested in it? Yeah, I'm interested. But not as much as I would like to be. Mm -hmm. um, first off, the MMA fan in me, now that it's all said and done, like it's all done, right? The PFL deals happened. The, the, this fight has been announced. Now I look back on the missed, what we're missing out on as an MMA fan. Yeah. The fight with John Jones, right? Like that's yep. the fight that everybody wanted. <laughs> we're never going to get it. The idea of him fighting even beyond that with like Pavlovich and, um, I mean, all these different guys, Tom Aspinall, mm -hmm. uh, like all these different guys that are coming up in the heavyweight division. It'd be so great as an MMA fan. Yes. I'd love to see it. The problem is that there are a lot of people who feel this way, but they're voicing their frustration at Francis and Ghanu. No, the people who failed to make this fight happen are three letters. <laughs> UFC. Mm -hmm. They did not give him the money that obviously he was able to go make for himself anyways. And that's who the frustration should be aimed at for what we're missing out on. So mm -hmm. that's one thing. As a boxing fan, I'm even more frustrated <laughs> because you have Tyson Fury, who's the WBC champion. Alexander Usyk uh, holds the other three major uh, titles you had this opportunity to have an undisputed heavyweight champion. I mean, a massive fight there between mm. Usyk and Fury. And I don't know the full ins and outs of the negotiations, Dom, but everything that comes out seems like Fury really just didn't want to take this fight with Usyk. Okay. It just, he, he was, I mean, just everything that comes out, like, okay, he wanted 70, a 70 30 split on the fight purse. Okay. He's the bigger draw, right? Makes sense. But then if Usyk would have won the rematch that he had, fought, he wanted a rematch clause and the rematch would also be a 70, 30 oh. split for Fury. So like, it seemed like he really, his team was trying to do anything they could to just make Usyk walk away from the table. And I think that's because if you're Tyson Fury, right, you probably are trying to weigh like, how can I make the most money and take on the least amount of risk? Right. He's already a global superstar. Uh, he's upwards and he's in his mid to late thirties. I think at this point, um, he, I think looked at this as like, I get paid. I don't know how much he's going to get paid, but Saudi Arabia is throwing out bands mm -hmm. to make these fights happen. So I bet he is making a pretty penny for this. And, What's the risk, Dom? I mean, Francis Ngannou is a dangerous power puncher, one of the 
most powerful guys we've ever seen in all combat sports. But he's never he's never boxed uh, professionally ever. He's going yeah. up against one of the heavyweight boxers best of this era. Yeah. I mean, his chances are very slim here. Of course. So I can understand why he would want this fight, but I'm still frustrated with him because he has much more bargaining power. He could have went and gotten a similar payday to box Alexander Usyk. A bigger so fight for the sport. On the boxing yeah. side, I am more frustrated directly with the participant and, and Tyson Fury. He's got much more power in these negotiations than Ngannou did coming from MMA. So, yeah, I'm a little frustrated with this fight, and I, and I think – uh Oh, I didn't mention also another frustrating part. Uh, maybe I already said this. Did I say I'm frustrated with the fact that there's no title on the line here? You did not, but there you um, go. And the fact that there's no O on the line. Like, I'm not saying, as a boxing fan, I'm not exactly wanting to have guys who've never boxed professionally come in and fight for a title in their first fight. But what's this fight really mean? Like, what's the yeah. stakes here? So you're telling me that if Ngannou did go in there and knock out Tyson Fury... Tyson Fury would still be undefeated. I mean, right. sure, we all watched it, but I, it just doesn't – he wouldn't lose his title. Like, there's just – I don't really know. Like, I'm comparing this to, like, the McGregor Mayweather thing, right? Was that – that counted, right? Yeah, that did. Okay. So, it, so Floyd Mayweather was undefeated, right? So his yeah. – that was the big thing. He's going up against a power puncher. You know, he's putting his O on the line. He didn't have a major title. He's kind of been in and out of retirement. But you know, I think one of the the major bodies in boxing put together, like, the money belt or whatever. It's like, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Like, I mean, how on the nose do we have to be with this? But at least, like, there were – it was a professional bout. Like, it just felt yeah. like there was stakes to it. Here – Sure, there still is. Like, everybody's going to be watching, right? So if you see Fury get knocked out, he can't just turn around tomorrow and say, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. But I don't know. It It's out of the possible uh, packages you could have put together that this fight would take place under, this is on the lower side. It's not yeah. as bad as if they did a full-on exhibition with no knockdowns and no knockouts. Yeah. But it still feels like it's a little lackluster to me. I'm still going to watch it. I'll be interested in it when the time comes. But I felt like you got to kind of, vo I got to voice my frustration with the fact that this is ultimately what we're getting. Yeah, it's true. It, it, it to an extent, it, I don't want to use the phrase that everybody's like throwing around right now, but everybody says gimmick fights. Like that's the big phrase mm -hmm. going around from Dana and Ariel and all these shows. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, I guess it kind of is. And you add in those factors without it, you know, the O being on the line, a belt being on the line. It's not a professional bout, yada, yada, yada. It makes it feel even more so that way. Um, so, and I just wonder, um, it is a shame that a lot of people, like you said at the front of your point about people hating on uh, Francis here, like there's just no reason there's no rhyme or reason to be hating on francis here because if any of us are in the same situation what are you going to do you're going to put your family and your financials first over anything else including the legacy and the belts as noah mentioned so it's just interesting there is going to be a lot more frustration from what i see toward francis than what there is toward tyson but do you feel from the boxing community there's also the same shared frustrations that you have with tyson oh yeah people want tyson to be stripped and everything mm -hmm. else i mean uh, yeah, it's it's 
I, I'm not even like as into it as obviously a lot of people are. And I, I've heard a lot of it. So, and I get it. I get their frustration. Um, let me ask you this, Dominic. This is just a random question that I've seen this fight. It's obviously being compared to the McGregor Mayweather fight, right? Due to the yeah. similar status of both guys and what sports they're coming from. And yet, I actually want to compare it to a fight we didn't get. Mm-hmm. Why is it that everybody on the MMA side is so supportive of Nganu getting this, right? Getting this bag, getting this opportunity. And yet, when Kamar Usman tried to pursue a Canelo Alvarez fight, he was sort of clowned for it, and everybody was very dismissive of him. I'm curious if you feel like, did you notice that kind of difference in how people sort of reacted when they presented that? Like, what do you think that is? I almost wonder if it's just like the realism of it happening maybe was a factor in why it didn't get as big. I mean, I feel like a lot of people – we're laughing at Kamaru because one, he was obviously still, I think a champion at the time he was talking mm-hmm. about it. He was still an active fighter and whatnot. So it was, it was easier to dismiss and laugh it off. It's like, Oh, and if he's even in there, he has, like, they'd say he probably has a lesser chance to beat Canelo, obviously than Francis does to beat Tyson Fury. I think this is how it works with these heavier guys. But with Francis, I think when you leave the UFC one to become a free agent, it became more realistic and then you add in the contract that he signed with the PFL, I think that's what made this added eyeballs and the more criticism because they knew, like, this is actually probable to happen, and now it is happening. That's what I would Yeah, I, I would – my best guess for that was that Nganu was challenging the system, right? The entire yeah. – I mean, the UFC do – you know, I'm not going to say the word monopoly, but – Others have called it that. They do control a very large share of any sort of money that comes in for MMA. So he challenged that system. Like instead of embracing being a UFC heavyweight champion, he looked to maximize his value elsewhere. And he did. With Kamaru Usman, the talk was while he was a sitting champion and did not seem to have any interest in leaving the UFC either. Um, So Maybe a part of it was the actual evaluation of their chances, but make no mistake, everyone listening, Francis Ngannou has a puncher's chance, and that's it. Yeah. But that, but obviously that puncher's chance is uh, going to be better than most. Right. Yeah, 100%. Anything else you'd like to say about this fight or maybe Ngannou's chances before we move on? No, I think the the fight's all there. The chances obviously are slim. And and I just want to touch on that third thing there, the long-term impact real fast. Um, I think there's a lasting long-term impact if Francis Ngannou comes in and does beat Tyson Fury, does knock out Tyson Fury. Then, and only then, do you really see this Francis situation that we've witnessed over the last year I think come into play more with more prominent big name uh, fighters. But if he goes in and loses, it's like, you know, he was supposed to lose. So it is what it is. He got money and that, but if he wins, I think there could be a long-term impact there. And especially for Francis, obviously, but it could be a trickle down effect into the sport. I think Dominic, we're going to, I think the long-term impact actually has already started. I think uh, long-term in MMA, 
you're going to see this tug of war between the UFC trying to change how they do their contracts to try to make them maybe a little bit more restrictive, even though they already are pretty restrictive. And then the some of the bigger name fighters that come through trying to test their value. I believe that this may end up being a huge moment that could spring forward some positive change for the fighters involved. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be some negative impacts on the actual product. You know, there's a lot of factors that could affect really the entire sport. And, and I do think long-term we could see a, a ripple down effect through the entire sport of MMA and the UFC in general. And I think it might be a little bit needed for the UFC to have to um, feel challenged in some way. Yeah, I think so. What's wrong with it, right? Right. I think that only will, I mean, it only helps, I think, everybody involved, the fighters, us, like, and competing brands. Challenged. Yeah. Like, I think mm-hmm. that this is healthy. You yes. should not yeah, have right. one company that feels like they can just coast. And I think that's what the UFC has been doing for a while. Right. Even yep, though we do give on that. Hey, look, last week, amazing card, right? They are mm-hmm. always going to put on amazing cards. I still yes. love watching the UFC. I love the UFC. I mean, I'm not trying to be a UFC hater, but you have to kind of look at it from our perspective from the other side, right? Mm-hmm. The human perspective, those fighters – they probably deserve a little bit more. Well, and imagine, right, the product that we get is still great more often than not right now in the UFC, but imagine they have that competition, they have that challenge, they have that nudge. What type of product could we get then? You know what I mean? Like, that could be an improved product as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to watch this all play out. Yeah. Question number two, submitted by the man known as Mystic P, a good friend of me and Dom's. Uh, congratulations to him and his family. He just moved to the great state of Tennessee, so I miss him very much. Uh, as soon as I moved back, he decided to move out. Not upset about it at all, but no. And um, In all seriousness, I'm happy for him. I hope everything went well. But he did submit a question for us via text message, Dominic. Yep. And he said, for a moment. Let's live in a world where Stipe, in his words, sleeps John Jones. So we're saying in a world where Stipe knocks out John Jones, what happens next? Ooh. Ooh. That's a question right there. I love it. It was like from the rafters last second. It was kind of <laughs> like the grab his dick and twist it thing from Bellator in Chicago last year. <laughs> um, you know, Again, we've touched on this fight so many times uh, during the almost three years we've been doing this show, and now we are finally getting it. Obviously, November 11th, Madison Square Garden. It's a huge fight for Legacy. And if Stipe were to sleep John Jones, what happens next? Well, I view this fight, it's strange the way I view this fight because I could easily see win or lose for both gentlemen a retirement-type situation. Regardless of any, so of you're the almost outcomes. tempted to say so, that it doesn't change much at all. Like it may not change anything and give us a vacant title. <laughs> as crazy as that may sound, um, but I'll go. I say, if Stipe sleeps, John Jones. What happens next? He obviously cements himself into the top ten, maybe even the top five greatest fighters of all time. All of a sudden, and would he fight again? I don't know, man. I think a win over John. We've talked about Stipe's legacy. 
it's already been cemented. This is just gravy, baby. I mean, obviously, this is huge for him, but he's not going to want to go fight Sergey Pavlovich next and Cyril Gone and Tom Aspinall. I just don't see that happening. So I think Stipe would ride off into the sunset having finished his career knocking out the greatest fighter of all time. That's what I think. I was tempted to say that, but in all honesty, if John Jones took that loss, you know, that real first legitimate loss, I think he'd want it back. They run it so back. So I think we'd get a rematch. UFC yeah. 300, perhaps. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would line up, right? So um, I think that's what would happen, Dominic. I think it'd mm-hmm. be a huge moment. I think it would definitely put Stipe in top five territory. I think he's yeah. already in top 10 territory. Like, what are you smoking over there, Dom? That's, that's true. You had Stipe in your top 10 way back I, when. It's been so long. Now you're I saying if remember. he beats the number one fighter of all time that he maybe is top 10. Come on. That's our hero. That's our that's our fireman right there. Yes. But no, I, I think that would be massive. And I do want to just say for a second, I understand I've, I've been highly favoring John Jones in this fight for years, ever since yeah. we started the show. Yeah. But now I'm about to turn around and come back to the Stipe side because some of the reactions to this fight have been crazy, Dom. I have yeah. heard people, like people that I really, you know, like their opinions and watch their what they do and stuff in the space say with confidence that they believe Francis Ngannou has more of a chance than Stipe does in their respective fights. I think that is crazy. Like Francis having a better chance to beat Tyson than yes. Stipe beating Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard people like say that with confidence and hmm. I think that's a crazy take. I think for people to say that Stipe is like washed and all this stuff, I get it. He hasn't fought in a couple years. But let's not forget his last fight. Yes, he got knocked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. He was the heavyweight champion going into that fight. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying. Do I have highly favored John Jones to win this fight? Yes. And I think he does it pretty much with ease because I do believe uh, Stipe – you know, he's probably who knows what he's been doing the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he obviously has kept himself in shape. He looks great. Yeah. But, you know, he he's not that involved with the fight game. Like he doesn't really think about it. You know, he's gone back home. He's got a family. He's full time mm-hmm. firefighter. Right. Like now it's like almost like, well, I got the payday. Let's go back and do it. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't really know what's going through his head. I don't know where, like, how much he really wants this. And yeah. Because of that, I do highly favor John Jones. And not to mention that John Jones is just incredible. But even if you were, say, let's say Stipe is, like, kind of washed. You know, he's he's an old man. He's, he's, yeah. not, he's not as good as he once was. Have we really proven that John Jones is, like, still John Jones at heavyweight? Yeah, like the fight with Surreal Gone was impressive and blink and you miss it though, right? But it was so quick, yeah, and showed so little. Yeah, it's almost a shame it, it, that it you like you got to think Stipe is going to put up a better effort than Surreal Gone did. One would think, yeah, or at least challenge him a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking a little bit. Yeah, 
We'll at yeah. least see John Jones strike on the feet at heavyweight. See how that transition happens. Maybe see him take a punch at heavyweight. Yeah. Like these are things. Again, I said I said the surreal god fight. I was like John Jones, best fighter of all time. Like I'm, yeah. that's impressive win. But it did, it does leave a little bit of room for like, okay, but how would he do if it went a little longer at heavyweight? Yeah. Right. Stipe, much better wrestler than surreal. Yeah. So. so I'm just saying, like. Now I feel like I'm turning around. Like I felt like I was the only one back in 2020 that thought John Jones was going to wipe the floor with Stipe. And now I'm like coming back and trying to challenge people that, I mean, to say Francis Ngannou has a better chance against Tyson Fury. I mean, maybe Ngannou knocks him out and Stipe gets fucking boat loaded and around. But I can't, I just can't see how someone can say that. And what do you think? Like, um, now we're a little, not too far off the rails, but you brought up that point and that's kind of crazy. Cause I mean, let's just compare it in this way to make it easier on ourselves. Would you imagine Stipe opening as a bigger underdog betting wise than Francis versus Tyson? Like there's I, no way I could see yeah, that. happening. I don't think so. I think the opening odds, I thought Fury was like a minus 800, which I don't know what that would put. Probably like and, um, plus 500 probably ish five fifty. So I Stepe would not I be bet, that I, an underdog. Really, I think Stepe might be a plus five hundred. Really, I would see like plus three hundred. I think if he's plus three hundred, I'm throwing a lot of money on John Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I hate. See, look what's happening now. See, <laughs> people can't figure out what what side I'm on here. Yeah. No, damn it, that's our that's our fucking guy, Stepe. He's on both of our walls now. Come on. Yeah, like I'm talking blasphemous <laughs> about the guy, and he's he's staring at me right now. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Question number three, Dominic. How much MMA content do you watch, and does it ever affect your opinion before doing or before recording podcast? Um, um, I feel like at one point I watched much more than what I do now. To be quite honest, um, and maybe it's because I'm busier now, a little bit busier, but I don't know, like. I feel like, you know, the more our community continues to grow and the more that we want to become prominent, you know, content creators within the MMA community and space, I feel like I try to not watch as much. I want to be as unaffected, unbiased as possible. I want to be as much of me as I can. Obviously, we're going to talk about um, the community and questions that come up, talk about tidbits from the MMA hour, from uh, um, the uh, Luke Thomas show. I forgot, forgot the name of it, so I just said his name. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you get the point. And I, I try to really not. I mean, I used to watch all kinds of YouTube. Me and Noah lived together for multiple years, and that's feel like all we would both do. But, yeah, now it's like, you know, I'll watch a couple betting things here and there, a couple fighter interviews. Uh, but all in all, like, I pretty much come on here with all my thoughts and opinions being unaffected, <laughs> I'd like to think, most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, it's fights on uh, Saturday nights or Saturdays, depending on when the card is. and. That's probably 90% of the content that I watch is the actual fights, I'd say. I have been in that mindset ever since we started where it's like, I want to try to remain. That's why I put this question on here was because mm -hmm. I just, this, I, you know, because obviously if you listen to somebody enough or watch somebody enough, right. it can affect, you can find it affecting your opinion. And I've been trying so hard to not have that happen. But Dominic, I, I watch a lot of MMA content. Um, mm -hmm. 
And mostly it comes down to the fact that while I work at my job, I listen to podcasts all day. Yeah. That's what I do to get through it. So uh, MMA hour, I will watch portions of. I'm not big on fighter interviews. So I kind of just, I I just like the stuff when it's Ariel and the boys. Like, yeah. Yeah. DC, New York Rick, Frank. uh, Those guys are great. I love watching that stuff. Like the, he does the, the, his little Q and A's like weekly. I love watching those. Morning Combat, I'll watch a lot of. That's what um, The Ringer MMA Show, another Ariel Hawani product. And then uh, I've been recently listening to a lot of, uh, um, why am I forgetting, Anik and Florian. So uh, mm. John Anik and Kenny Florian show. So I've watched a lot of that. I think that's about it. So maybe it's not as much as some people out there. I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this, then I imagine... <laughs> I know. I'd like to know. (laughs) Well, no, I imagine, I imagine we're not, I imagine most people, if they're listening to us regularly, probably means they're listening to like six or seven other shows regularly. Cause I mean, you're in deep if you're finding us. So shout out to you guys. But uh, yeah, I, I do find at times like someone will say something. I, I definitely think I'm very mindful of it. So literally Dominic, what I do is, um, most of those podcasts I just listen, I, I know when their episodes drop. So really, once the fights end, like last Saturday, when I woke up Sunday after we were done recording, I'm already studying the next card and trying mm. to get my thoughts together right then. Yeah. Because it's before any of this stuff comes out. And I'm not going to pretend that there hasn't been times where my opinion has been slightly altered or it's given me something to think about. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe they have a point there, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I try to be forthcoming about that. When I do, you'll hear me at times on the show mention like, Oh, I've heard this from mm-hmm. this show. So I try to be honest about it and give credit when, when, when I do hear good points. And there are times when after I've kind of had my opinion set, I'll listen to like somebody make a point on the show and I'll just be like, Damn, I wish I would have thought of that. I do. Find or that. like, oh, we're on the same wavelength. You know what I mean? Almost mm. too. Do you ever have that? No, I. To be honest, I feel like I almost prefer to have a unique opinion. I don't like, like, I don't get, I don't get any sort of enjoyment out of someone agreeing with me on MMA. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of like whenever I say something that nobody else is saying or thinking. Like, I don't like to just. I think there's too many people, and this is probably in any space, but it probably applies to MMA. You know, you get on Twitter enough, and that's the only opinion you have is whatever the majority kind yeah. of tells you. Yeah. So I just try to, I try to be completely honest with myself, and in doing so, if it if it happens to side with the majority opinion, mm-hmm. great. And if not, I don't want to, you know die duck from that like duck away right. from that you know and i hope everybody can like get a feel and sense of that from us when they hear and watch and listen so yeah i like that question a little well, Dominic, like a, I, yeah i challenged the fourth you, like i've challenged you a couple times i feel like you could even be more of that like i think mm-hmm. sometimes you hold back and i do think that you could be like like i hear you talk about mma like in our personal lives or just talking like in general and you and like I do get a sense sometimes on the show, like maybe you hold back a little bit. 
Mm. And I do think that you could even be like more your authentic self. I don't think you're faking anything, but I just think that sometimes you prefer to hold back. Like I have a second gear, you know, I do I, think you have a second gear. I think that I like, you're great now. Like people, people love Dom. People don't like me in the comments on this show. So they love you now, but it like, I, but there's like this untapped potential, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I see. Mm-hmm. That's what I see in you young one. Mm. Yes. Padawan. <laughs> Since, uh, uh, question number four, this comes from a big time. Oh yeah. Here. Shout out at Vispian seven, six, eight, eight. I hope that's how it's pronounced. We just kind of assume that, but I we're think, not, I would think, yeah, but Dominic, we're not good at pronouncing names. Not at all. Yeah. Like, you always try to hype me up when I mispronounce. I just need to give up. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, so I know at, I'm not good. At Vispian7688 asked if Alexander Volkanovsky were to beat Ilya Tuporia, Aljamain Sterling, and Islam Makachev in a rematch, <laughs> then retires. Damn. Is he a top three or five GOAT of all time? He also listed a few fighters who we feel like are in that conversation. Um, kind of the obvious ones, right? And he was looking at it from like all of MMA. So mm-hmm. remember that because he had Fedor in there and stuff. Yeah. So for all of MMA, you know, would, th- would those kind of wins in a row here, would that be enough to submit him? In the top five, <laughs> yeah, I, I I sure the hell think so. <laughs> I mean, this guy in his own weight class hasn't lost since I don't know. I couldn't even hold my PP mm. to P yet. It feels like like this dude Alexander Volkanovsky. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, waiting on Noah's face there. Well, um... <laughs> um, he's unbelievable, and uh, you know we're coming off this amazing performance he just had last week at. 290 where he dismantled Yair Rodriguez and showed that he still has another gear that he can dial into. I mean, he's unbelievable. He beats Toporia. He will be un, un, (laughs) undisputed greatest featherweight of all time. And then if he welcomes Aljamain Sterling up and beats him, he puts himself to top five. And if he beats Islam Makachev, he's top three and nipping at the toes of gsp and john jones for best of oh, all time. i know that had to hurt you i was yeah, waiting to see i know who i didn't even say anderson i knew that, i was that. waiting to see who you were gonna list at number two and i was about to blame your ass but yeah um, i'm glad dominic he, has embraced the fact that anderson silva just he's mid oh boy anyways <laughs> vispian volkanovsky goes down as top three if not better all time if he beats those three names and assuming that means he retires after that i guess i, I don't know he that wasn't necessarily said but uh yeah that's that's unbelievable unrivaled resume god i mean i don't know if i can go as far as top three but i want to do it. like i want to but no. no shut shut the fuck up <laughs> you sit there and be quiet do it daddy's talking right now i love you daddy <laughs> Um, so John Jones, okay. So right now, if we're going all of MMA, John Jones, and then it's either Fedor or GSP. Like, I don't know. God, I don't even know. It'd be really hard, but man, that is just a, what an incredible finish to a career that would be. You're talking about him. Golly, beating, dude. And, and this is probably, I don't, 
there's no assumption made that it's Aljo either coming off a win or a loss. I'm assuming this would be after the Sean O'Malley fight. I don't know if it matters. You beat a former Bantamweight champion. Yeah. Who, if you were to do that fight at that time, I would imagine that means he beat Sean O'Malley and the UFC booked it as like a champion versus champion fight. Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm going through the hoops in my own Man. head here. That there these is this is not made clear in the question, but I'm just like assuming this. Um, yeah. So he beats a sitting bantamweight champion, mm-hmm. then moves up and becomes a two division champion and beats Islam Makachev. I'll definitely say top five. I'll say he kicks out Anderson Silva. Mm. <laughs> no, that's fair because he would have done the same. No, thing. I'm joking. I'm joking. I no, but I do think. Uh, Top five territory, hundred percent. He just can't get those extra two spots. That's I don't know. It, that's I, the hard part. It, God, it's, it's like so... that's what's great. Each of these wins is like one of everything. You beat the surging, undefeated, shiny new guy in Toporia, a champion or former champion in Sterling, and the protege of Habib and Makachev. Like, that's no, great. I know They're all three like, different things. He would definitely have an argument, especially if he just retires and never comes back from oh my that. god what a finish because to a career. you know me for my like when i evaluate resumes i do take into account like the end well that's the what careers. hurts anderson for you right it yeah. hurts anderson it does hurt fedor a little bit yeah. um god. i mean for now though i'll say potentially top three but i can't commit to it as much as dom did but damn that's a, i mean that's a hard resume to beat man that would be like one of the craziest finishing runs to a retirement ever. And then, like, how crazy is that, Dom? We could potentially, I mean, I know it's like the Aljo fight was like kind of out of left field for me. Like I hadn't really considered that. And I'm like, well, it's definitely possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem Aljo's like the most up. likely path. Like it seems like yeah. if he fights Ilya, the next fight's at lightweight. Assuming right. that he would. If it was like Aljo, would be the third one almost. Oh, uh, yeah, you know? maybe. So. But if we do go off of this, you know, we imagine those three fights, they probably happen in the next year and a half. End of 2024. End of of 2024. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm thinking. So crazy how right now it's not even made clear by the majority of the community if he's the best featherweight of all time. Mm -hmm. But in a year and a half, we could be calling him potentially the best of all time. That. That That's how fast this game insane. moves. Is yeah, that not is, just though. show how fast this game moves? You're it talking really three does. fights in the next year and a half that could take him from being like the second best featherweight of all time to the best fighter of all time, or at least one of the top ones. Yeah. Well, like, cause well, do you view him as like top 10 on your list right now? Has he cracked? I'd in? have to, I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to that do was the an math. Question. I, it's been but, a while since I, yeah. it's been a while. Anyways, it's uh it's been a while since I've uh, God, I Same. can't say that word with I can't say that line. It has been a long a little time. longer than expected. Yeah, there you go. Since I put a list together like that, it's probably overdue for me to yeah. evaluate. Because you know, the thing I don't like though, Dom, is when I make them when you have to rank guys who are still fighting. Because to me, like yeah. I said, the end of the careers do affect it. So like you know, Usman, yeah. I felt like was a top borderline top 10 guy. And now he's lost two straight to Leon Edwards. How does that, you know, move him in my rankings? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think uh, I, he'd be close. He'd be close. I mean, Jose Aldo's top, I think close to borderline top five. 
Yeah, I think when we did that almost three years ago, he was like five or six for me all time, I think. Mm, so, yeah. you know, yeah. Question number five. Very fun one here, Dominic. I saw it on Twitter one time and I wrote it down, but I forgot to write whose tweet it was. So I apologize. <laughs> Who is someone in MMA that could benefit from moving to bare knuckle FC mm. like Mike Perry did? Dominic, I know you just love this question. Yeah. This this is one of those where we might need to be a little bit more open here. Or maybe you take the reins. Um if I had to pick someone right now, man, there's only so many people that are like Mike Perry. <laughs> that's the well. That's what are we? What thing. are we saying here? Right, we're saying a guy that's a lot of. He's a. He's got big character. Yeah, but maybe has stagnated as an MMA fighter. Yeah, and but has that dog in him like Mike Perry does to where yeah. this style of fighting and BKFC might just be more fitting for them. Like, who's someone? Yeah, I mean, if you want me to go first, I can give you a. a an answer that came into my head. Go ahead. I have one, but go ahead. Um, the one that came into my head was Kevin Holland. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a really good answer. That's a guy who could be a big old star for BKFC, at least as much yeah, as you can be a star. A right. Yeah. And uh, I think that his fight style would, would it, I would like to think it would translate now, BKFC does not appear, from what I've seen, to um, be favorable to guys that depend on like striking at range or using reach because they like to keep everything close quarters. Uh, we saw yeah. that when Mike Perry fought MVP, but I believe Kevin Holland doesn't. You know, he doesn't depend on his uh, reach. I don't think necessarily. I think he's he's about it. He'll get in the pocket. Mm. He doesn't have to yeah. worry about someone taking him down. Okay. I'm going to go with this one instead. Oh, God. Sugar Sean O'Malley <laughs> would be a trip, I think, to see. So he would benefit. So you're Nuggle. saying he could get the bigger heights in BKFC than he could in the UFC. No, I mean, I deadass think he can be a champion. I think I, I don't even remember what fight I said. He could definitely be a UFC champion. And I think that's the difference from guys like Kevin Holland and Mike Perry. But, man... And I know Sean's going to make a lot more money than Mike Perry and Kevin Holland in the UFC. But if that tells you anything, I think he could make even more money in bare knuckle. They've shown that they want to throw money around. If, if they could land a guy like Sean O'Malley, they would pay him more, I would imagine, than the UFC would. And uh, I feel like his character, yeah, his that's, look, that's he's, perfect a, he's a striker. For, yeah. Like That all is uh, makes him fit so good there. So I, I think... Maybe not benefit as much, but he could benefit enough. Like he would still, he, he would there. still be like, he'd be good. He'd be okay. Yes. If, if his UFC career ended today and he went to BKFC, he'd be oh, good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, another answer that came into my head this is not a realistic one. See, this right? is where we open it up, though. This, this is isn't a realistic fun. one, but for the fight style and maybe a little bit of the character. Like I think would be a lot of fun. How about Michael Chandler? Did, yes, that was the first name that I would. Yep, one hundred percent. Michael Chandler so. would be a lot of fun in BKFC. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Dominic's just in here, like, man, I ain't watching that bullshit. But for me, I mean, BKFC's kind of disappeared ever since that pay per view event. Like the With last Connor. I heard, yeah, the last I heard from them was uh, I think it's David Feldman, the president. 
came out and said that their pay-per-view performed below expectations because too many people uh, pirated the mm -hmm. pay-per-view. And now I ain't heard from them since. And that kind of worries me. Like, it makes me feel like they're in trouble. Because, I mean, I don't know if you heard the story going in about how Feldman uh, put, like, a second mortgage on his house to make it Yeah, he went all happen. in. Yeah. Which I hope worked out, but if the pay-per-view does Anyways, I'm just saying that uh, those would be some pretty fun fights if you got guys like that in there. Imagine yeah. Mike Perry versus Mike Chandler and, like, bare knuckle. Oh, my gosh. You get a little rematch with Mike I mean, uh, really, Chandler and uh, Eddie Alvarez. Dare I say, I mean, Conor McGregor in BAFC would be pretty fun. Uh, Michael Chandler has a higher chance of fighting Conor McGregor in BKFC than he does the UFC. No, you're wrong. Uh, Michael Chandler posted a Christmas tree. Michael, emoji, I'm sorry. So I can't. I, he posted I, a Christmas tree emoji. We're good. My, I it's think happening. me and Michael would get along, and I'm just so he mean posts, to him. You're not addressing he posted the Christmas tree emoji. We're good. He's fighting Grant Dawson. Did you see? <laughs> did you see the tweet? I did see the Christmas tree. Tell me that that fight's happening. Well, so much for the six months in USADA. They said USADA. Bitch, get out the way. I thought it'd be announced immediately following uh, Francis's announcement, but it did not yet. So that just would have been too obvious if the UFC <laughs> yeah. had done it. Give it again. a week. Give it a week. Well, I think they tried to do it like with, with the John Jones Stipe thing when Ariel posted that, hey, the Fury and Ganu fight will be announced in the upcoming days. The UFC blew their load. <laughs> then when the announcement came and that but that video, man, when he's saying uh when he's singing an American Pie song, yeah, and he's saying, uh, "What's he saying? What's the line?" He goes like, "Today, this will be the day that I die." Yeah. I'm like, "Whoo, yeah. that's that, that's a that's a baller ass video right there." Mm -hmm. Anyways, I don't know where I was going with that. Question number six, Dominic. This comes from at MMA Mania on Twitter. They just put this tweet out there. I want to kind of change the question just ever so slightly, or maybe we can hash it out together. Which fighter from 1993 to 2014 would thrive in today's social media slash entertainment era? And I think the caveat to this question should be, we should be, like for the question, it should be like, if social media were around when they sure. were fighting. Right, not if you not took there, them today. and put them today because the fight styles have evolved so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more fun if it's like if social media and if kind of the entertainment era where now was more like that during the early days of the UFC. Like, who would benefit? Who would thrive in that, Dominic? There was one name, okay, and one name only so Ooh, far that came into my head: the Huntington Beach Bad Boy. Tito. Yeah, that was an uh, immediately jumped oh. in my head. Oh Tell my me God. he would not be a Conor McGregor level star if he if they had that back then. Yeah, I mean, look, he's kind of a similar personality to Sean Strickland, and you look at Sean <laughs> being, you know, big, right, relatively in the space. Tito though was a champion and had all these rivalries built in. Yes, he would be as close to Conor, I feel like, as anybody could have been. Tito Ortiz would be a thriving like heel uh, as all be out in the UFC. hundred percent. You just compare him and Sean Strickland. <laughs> I, in terms of their personalities and not Tito afraid Ortiz to say anything. Never flirting with murdering people. 
it's the way that they act and will not refrain from saying no I, I i do get that a little bit i mean tito ortiz did wear a shirt to his weigh-ins one time that said dana is my bitch yeah <laughs> and there was the time when he beat guy mesger a teammate of ken shamrock and he had a shirt on like you know when they start putting their like shirts on after the fight his shirt said gay mesger is my bitch yeah Tito. That's when the beef. That's when the beef with him and Ken Shamrock started. Was because of that. So imagine that. that rivalry with social media. Ken, yeah, uh, because that were that was the first rivalry that got them like on any TV time. The best the, the damn chair sports chair. show. Yeah. Well, no, that's the that's the press conference. I don't think I know, but it's so funny. But yes, that is very funny. He's like, "I will beat you into a living death." <laughs> but is no, it, they who's the, the closest to that though, Tito? Who's the closest, like, for like who question? would be the runner up of this answer? I was trying because the Tito was the one that I immediately went yeah. to. Another answer that kind of came to mind, uh, kind of a weird one, uh, Bob Sapp. Okay, I can so, see it. I can see it. <laughs> this man was massive in Japan, literally. And, <laughs> and figuratively. Yeah. The only problem would be that he could never fight in the United States because that man was pissing motor oil. <laughs> but I think his kind of like the kind of presence he had and the size and whatnot and, the, and just the kind of like, I don't know. He just had like this it factor about him. And Dominic, I'm not even so much thinking that he would thrive from it in like an MMA capacity, but I do think he would have transitioned into a very successful pro wrestling career if he had. Mm. had. He did do a lot of pro wrestling in Japan, but again, I think he could have become just as big of a star in Japan, or just as much of a star as he was in Japan. I think he could have become that in America if social media had been around more prevalently. So I don't think his reverse Brock. Yeah. Like I don't think his MMA career would have lasted much longer than at least the prime did. I know he kind of continued fighting well beyond what he should have, but I think he would have transitioned into a nice uh, pro wrestling career or even had more movie opportunities. He wasn't the longest yard though. (laughs) I think I broke it in my nose. (laughs) And I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else who maybe I'm missing here. Um, um, I don't know, man. There's like you just got to think of like characters and stuff. Because um, you know Chuck like was a character, but not a flamboyant personality. Well, I know? definitely think he would have benefited. I mean, oh yeah, any, oh, but so anybody who Randy Couture would have benefited, like anybody who yeah. was like a bigger draw in the company oh, yeah. would have benefited. Brock Lesnar would have benefited, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of some of those guys like you're saying. Like, who's someone that really didn't get their due but would have potentially with – maybe like – I mean, would it be weird to say like a Heath Herring? He was – yeah. We He's an interesting in character. He kind of has like a little bit of – had the, the interesting hair choices and stuff. Like, I don't know. Um, another guy I was thinking of didn't have much of like the personality side, but if you're going like early, early UFC, Kimo Leopoldo, oh. uh, he's the guy that gave Hoist Gracie like his toughest fight. Okay, and he's he he was a very imposing presence, not the best fighter in the world, but he gave Hoist Gracie a tough fight. 
And he was most no, well known, Dominic, because he would carry a cross out to the to the octagon, mm. like like Jesus Christ did. Right, right. What about a uh, BJ Penn? Yeah, maybe that, that's a great. He answer. was kind of a wild guy, crazy guy, Jen, crazy Jen's, Pul- Jens Pulver. Yeah, shout out to him, by the way, Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's good I mean, ones, but it's funny we both were like agreed on tito without ever even discussing this like he yeah. just immediately popped into my head he was i mean the, ken uh, shamrock might even be the second ken would have been great too because if yeah. you're talking like a guy who went from mma to pro wrestling i mean he could have had more of that brock lesnar level mm-hmm. like him being involved in both would have only boosted his profile like in terms of uh pay-per-view draw yeah yeah that's a fun question. Yeah, it was. Uh, question number seven, the last question for today, Dominic. Yeah. We're bringing it back up. <laughs> What's your MMA hot take that will get the people raging? This is the question I struggled with the most um, when I saw the list initially. And I was trying to think of like, well, who do I think could be a champion that would make people mad? What, what, do, what do I think right now that would... <laughs> Because I feel like this is a question you see like once a month at least on Twitter. They show the picture of what would right. be people's your top take that makes people react like this. I, we're gonna have to open the floor here because I I truthfully cannot think of something I would say that could get like that reaction. I don't know. Mm. Okay. Like one of the things I said recently, at least that we disagreed on and that you were pretty strong against was when I said Joanna was ranked above Ronda for me. Oh. Um, and I still God, I can't feel strongly about that, that. I can't believe you but brought that back up. That's like the only thing I can say right now. Like I, in ter- stuff that's happening right now, I don't know. I don't know. All right, I'll say it right now. I'll say it. And I hate to say it because I wonder I, if I would rage to what you're going to say. No, you, I think, you know, I feel this way. Okay. Um, Lawler versus McDonald two is very Ooh. good, but not great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. The fight itself. Like, the fight yeah. itself is very good. Yeah. But the reason why it's remembered so fondly is like the the build up, the moments, the face off. Um, I do not believe it is the best fight of all time, even though I did yeah. just buy a shirt from Full Violence <laughs> that says best fight of all time. It's an iconic fight. Yes. But like if you is. look at like Robbie's title fights him and Carlos Conda is just a much better fight. And the big reason is him and Rory for like the first two rounds fight's kind of boring. It's kind mm-hmm. of boring for like two rounds. But then it picks up big way. Like the last two and a half rounds of that fight are Insane. fantastic. Yeah. Awesome, great moments. It is like up there if you're ranking all time fights, but mm-hmm. I'm just, but a lot of it is more carried by the legacy, the mo- the the moments. Yeah. If you're going off the fight itself, it's very good, but not great. That's a good one. That's a good one. I I don't know. I feel like a bitch. But I, I don't feel like feel I, should, like I, I have feel like any. I should try to think of one that you've said that's just like made me go like, what the? Fuck? <laughs> I feel like ever since we did the hot takes episode years ago, like, I mean, you did what we did say on that episode. This is part of the reason why I want to like <laughs> hide like our first hundred episodes is that we said that uh, UFC events are better without fans. Yeah, that was a good one. If you're talking hot take, that was a good one. 
Yeah, what were we and thinking at that time? I mean, just yeah, I don't know. It was that new that new stuff. We're like, this is cool. Yeah we, yeah. yeah, we were sucking off the UFC back then. We're doing reviews of their Fight Island documentary, talking about how it's uh, the <laughs> yeah. fucking world changing. And oh my god. Ugh. Um, something I'm trying to think of something because you, you used to be the hot take king. I know. I feel like I've cooled um, down. I've lost. I mean, my you. I remember thunder. you predicted CM Punk to beat Mickey Gall at UFC 203. I remember that. Yeah. But Which that would be relevant was... today. No, I know. People raging know. today. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Is your. Do you find more entertainment in your like WWE watch throughs that you're doing? Versus like the UFC fight nights. Ooh, uh, no, probably not. Yeah, even like a card like this weekend, it's just okay. still, you know, the, the that would have been if you would have said oh, something yeah, that, that like compliments pro wrestling, but like this is MMA. Yeah, ooh, people would have. There's got to be something pro wrestling related you can throw out there. Like, uh, I don't know. I've never had a blank and non-contributive part to a question on here for verbal until like this one. I was thinking about like saying who I think could be a champion, but I'm like, eh, yeah, it's probably not that. I mean, if only crazy. these questions had been on this list for like a week and a half or two months or something, right? You could yeah, you know how I do time. these, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, benefiting us right now, isn't it? <laughs> I'll then I'll just bring back up Joanna again. Joanna legacy, or well, is All right. Anyways, greater let's on the list. On. Let's move on to right. the. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, Joanna, number three women's fighter all time. Yes, Ronda, Ronda number, four. number four. I don't know how people would react to that. I personally think that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I feel like more people would agree, or it wouldn't be as lopsided from a vast majority. Maybe it would. I think my other one was that uh, if you're going off of like legacy. You know, if you're talking about, or maybe it was like Holly Holm has a overrated resume. Mm. Ooh. Because, because you look at her, like all of her best opponents are her losses. Like that's she, true. Ronda is the 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 elite win that she has. Like you look at the rest of yeah. the wins she has, they're not exactly like elite fighters. That is I'm trying true. to think what her next best win is. Didn't she beat Juliana? Did she beat Juliana Pena? I don't think. So, because Val and Tina did. I don't think Holm Yeah, does. okay. Irina Aldana? Is that the second best win of Holly Holm's career? Raquel Pennington? Mm, yeah. Betchka. value. <laughs> the way she did it. Yeah, that's true. I'm joking. Uh, Betchka is not her second best win. But um, that's why, like, I'm just, I, I think she's great. But you see the point what I'm trying to say there. Tom Aspinall will be the greatest heavyweight of all time in <laughs> UFC history. Now that pisses me off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dominic, with that, let's move on to the only segment we know how to end this show with. A little segment we like to call Closing Statements. To point the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, any closing statements to send us off into the week? I'm going to bring up one last question because I felt like I let you guys down on the <laughs> technically last question. And it's one that we put on here as like an extra and I'm going to do it. 
Combat Sports Insider on Twitter. And I think Noah maybe had this originally and then moved it because yeah, we did the re- did. we rearranged yeah. the episode because of the preview. EA Sports just announced they're doing UFC 5. Big uh, reveal in September. Who should be on the cover of UFC 5? I'm glad you did this. Yeah. Leon Edwards. Yeah, sorry, Dominic, for cutting you off. But I, I'm glad you did this. I think this is a big redemption arc for you right here. This is your web redemption moment. Because I like this question. I do. It's a fun question. We love video games, even though I feel like I've retired from <laughs> them. And um, real quick, because I think I have a picture of all the other covers, but Leon Edwards should be on the cover of the next game. Um, I want to start by saying that. Noah, do you have a name in mind? I'm going to pull up. UFC all the cover one athlete. is John Jones and Alexander Gustafson. UFC yep. two is Ronda and Connor. Three is Connor. Yep. Four is Masvidal and Adesanya. Yes, it is. So it seems like they've been going with the whole, you, you know, three of the four, two fighters on the cover, right? <clears throat> so is this, or, wait, was the question who should be or who will be? Who should be. Oh, who should be? Because that changes things a little it bit. It does. Mm-hmm. If it's who should be, I think Alexander Volkanovsky should be on the cover. <clears throat> so are we doing one person uh, cover? Fair. I would do Alexander Volkanovsky, but then you release like a GOAT edition and have GSP on the cover. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be lit. You know, they yeah. do that in other sports games. Yeah. I, I can't really take credit. I saw like a fake cover that was like mm-hmm. GSP GOAT edition. But, you know, they do that. Like it'd be like an ultimate edition. I don't know. I want to do like a two-person, but like I was trying to think of a female that kind of matches that, but Amanda just retired, and I don't think you'd put her on there. No. And I don't think Rose you'd put on there at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe Zhang Weili. Like, I don't see her and Volk really fitting on the cover, yeah. right? Who I think will be on the cover. I feel like everybody keeps saying it's going to be Izzy and John Jones. Oh. And I'll be honest with you, Dominic. Would the EA really put John Jones on the cover? Like, knowing the Again, risk that yeah. the risk. I mean, he was on a gear right. He was on the cover of UFC one, but that was a different time. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Like, would you do mm, it when I you don't know think that so. there's a risk? I was thinking how cool it would be if they did Izzy and Anderson Silva. Oh, now you're just trying to. No, I, I, I think I'm <laughs> that trying would to be think dope. of a legend and a current day fighter that sort of mirror each other. That's why I said Volk and GSP because I feel like those two. Like when I look at Volk, okay. I see a lot of GSP in him. Um, maybe Anderson Izzy would be sick. I mean, the Leon answer is very good. I feel like you could do Leon and Michael Bisping, maybe. Yeah, and if you're if you and if they just do modern like they did with Jorge and Izzy, I think you could easily do Leon and Volk, and that'd be a dope ass cover. Two of your biggest guys right now, global um, audiences. You know? While we're talking about UFC five. Please give us like a like a, a mode where I can be like Dana White. Give me a promoter mode, please. Yeah, like a franchise mode, like for Madden and stuff. Or you kind of like I just I just want to be like the the guy booking the Madden. I want I want to deal with the fighters. Like I want to be. Oh, it'd be shoes. so cool. They have so much potential to make these games good. 
better. I want to pick the locations for the fights. Like I want to do all that, dude. Set, I, I'd love to do the promotions, the ticketing, the arenas. Yeah, I'll, I'd yeah. love to keep their pay below fifteen percent on our. <laughs> Just be, as soon as someone comes, uh, it's gonna be like a cut scene in the office. It's gonna be like I don't know. Leon Edwards walking in saying he wants to like go box or something. I'm just like, get the fuck out of my face with that bullshit. Um, and then your no. like morale with employees goes down. <laughs> yeah, it's like minus five. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I that's the mode. Like that's that's like I the missing buy, piece though. I am gonna buy UFC five. I will. Because mm. I'm actually gonna like embrace it this year. I got the PS5. I haven't played it since I moved into my new apartment. What if they don't have that mode? Will you still buy it? Yeah, I'll still buy it. I'll just I'll just embrace. I'm gonna have to try to force myself to play online. Oh yeah, true. Because I never do that. But I'm gonna buy the new Mortal Kombat. Like I gotta get used to like getting online for fighting games. I gotta embrace it. Yeah. There's a lot of good games coming up. You got those two, and then I'm really excited about the new Spider-Man game. So I'm gonna have mm-hmm. a busy fall. Um, okay. I'm excited to see the details. And I, I even put a tweet about this, Tom. Every time EA says, hey, new UFC video game coming soon, I get so excited. And then mm-hmm. as soon as the details are out, I'm just so disappointed every time. Yep. Mm-hmm. I hope they uh, can do something different. It'd be nice. Yeah. My closing statement's also involving MMA, Dominic. I finished the book, Cage Kings. Oh, I do. So I know I had mentioned me this. That. I know I mentioned it to you. I don't believe we did it during a recording. Mm-mm. So for those of you that don't know Cage Kings, I, I, I decided before my vacation to Florida, because you know it's a long drive, I was going to try to pick up uh, becoming like an audio book guy, like an audio reader, which is not reading at all. I love podcasts, but, you know, there's only so many of them that I watch consistently mm-hmm. or listen to consistently. So I was like, well, you know, audiobooks aren't much different than a podcast. True. So I've been doing that for a couple months now. I became a subscribe, a monthly subscriber to Audible um, through Amazon Prime, and uh, I was just looking up books about MMA, UFC, boxing stuff. You know, history books. Mm-hmm. Like I love that kind of stuff. And I saw when I first looked this book called Cage Kings that wasn't even out yet. It came out like now. It's been almost a month ago, and it's literally the story of the UFC. From beginning Mm. and from now reading it, I can tell you it goes all the way up until basically the end of uh, McGregor Mayweather. Okay. There's like an epilogue that kind of talks more about after that. But Mm. um, I thought it was very good. I thought it was very good. It was a very good read. I think Michael Thompson is the, the author. But it's it's definitely at its best when it's talking about like the beginning all the way oh, up yeah. until like basically when Brock Lesnar's brought in. Nice. Because that that time period, like there's so many things that they say in this book that like I didn't know. Um, I was sh- I was shocked actually at the, some of the details. I, I I had no idea that the UFC and HBO were potentially going to have a deal hmm. before they went to Fox and stuff. Like, could you imagine like the UFC on HBO? Like it's crazy. But um Stuff like that. There were some other really cool details in there. I think once it hits the Brock Lesnar portion, and then you kind of get into the Fox deal. There's some good stuff with the Fox deal, like I just said. Maybe it's more so when the Fox deal happens. 
because then you get into the Rousey stuff, mm. McGregor, McGregor Mayweather, the the cell, all that. And most of that stuff I kind of knew. So it's sort of yeah. The 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 second half of the book is not as good as the first half, but it's mm. it's great, and I recommend it to anybody who is a fan or. And especially if you're someone who doesn't know like a ton of the history, like it's a great read to kind of get you caught up. Nice. Dominic, That's you need cool. to read it or, or I listen to it. But it, it is a real book too, though, right? That you can buy. Yeah. If you're, if okay. you prefer, you can buy the real book. I'm not much of a reader, so I prefer yeah. like doing audio books, but yeah. Um, yeah. But it is, I, I may potentially buy like the hardback copy just to have Just it. to like own it. Yeah, which is kind of weird, but I'm a physical. That'd be a cool media. shelf. I'm a physical you know? media guy. I can't. Help yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Cage Kings. Cage Kings, and it's got like a a bigger title after that, but it's Cage Kings by Michael Thompson. All right, all right. But uh, my name's Noah Baker, and it's Dominic Sleewear, but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs>